Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Breakfast at Ruby's, your favorite weekly podcast with some of your favorite content creators uh, in the Twitch scene, YouTube scene, everywhere online where you can make content essentially. We talk about the trending topics, pop culture, queer culture, all of the above. And uh, today I have Chilora to my left. Hey girl. Hi. And to my right, we have Kisos. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we love Hello, it. Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's been a while, y'all. How how have you how have y'all been? It, this is our first episode, the three of us together since March. Can you believe? I know. Can you believe the pandemic happened and everything just disappeared? But yeah, <laughs> right? it's nice to have some OG crew and passion in the chat. It's like we're all here, you yes, know? Yes, truly, truly. What have you been up to, Kisos? I know you had your EP release, which we talked about on the show. But yeah, how have things been yeah. since then? They've been good. Yeah, I guess that was the last time I've been on, too. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Time is flying. Yes. It's been good. It's been busy. We're restarting my LGBT music video showcase this Sunday. Yeah. Um, quarantine. So if you don't know what that is, every single Sunday, um, well, for the next 10 weeks, basically, we show like 10 to 12 music videos by artists across the LGBT spectrum and watch them live and just hang out. And I have a new co-host and um, each week. And we're actually also starting an official after show. Um, this season as well, run by my friend Corey Stewart. So um, that's going to be cute. It'll be shorter. That'll be like 20 to 30 minutes. But um, yeah, so we're just going to... We're just gonna try new things. It's gonna be fun. Hopefully, I'm pretending I'm not stressed. I'm <laughs> pretending it's all good. I'm excited. Me when I, I plan excited. something, it's like so exciting. It's so excited, yeah. everybody, <laughs> and it's like just replace excited with nervous, <laughs> and then yeah, you, you get no. you get my exact reaction on it. But uh, you can promote yeah. the, the social media on that because you you came we you made up um, like a quarantine social media page and everything, right? True, I forgot about that. Um, so if you want to follow not only me at It's Kisos Everywhere, yes. but Quarantine is Quarantine Show, like S-H-O-W, like the show. Quarantine Show on Twitter and Instagram, and it is on YouTube, but we don't have a custom URL yet because um, we need 100 subs. So we're growing. We already have 30, and we haven't even done our first episode of the season yet. So yes. we'll get there, everyone. We'll get there. Absolutely. And of course, we have Chilora. I don't even know you. I think you, you've been on pretty recently, too. Um, and yeah. uh, what uh, you had some drag shows and performances that you were up to. How, how have uh, the reactions been to them? And what are you planning on? Because I know you may or may not be working on future ones, right? Um, I did the two and yes. I got really tired. <laughs> understandably <laughs> so, i haven't really done drag in like three weeks um and uh I, i'm working on the next one um i might need passion's help again so <laughs> the dj <laughs> we'll extraordinaire yeah um so we'll see Absolutely. but there's another one coming nice Sounds cute. nice i mean people don't really 
get it like some people may listen to what you just said and they may be like wow like like it's just a performance why would you be so tired but like there's so much that goes into those performances right do you want to go into a little bit of like the behind the scenes on that of like putting putting the song together and then the outfit and then the editing and then filming like all of it I mean, it's not just like, oh, here's the thing, perform it. It's like, I have to direct it. I have to produce it. I have to edit it. I have to storyboard it. I have to like, you know what I mean? I have to yeah. go back and do all those things. And um, it it's just like a lot of mental power. And then you have to physically do it. And then you have to go back and use more mental power to edit yeah. it and fine tune things and put it all together and all that stuff. Um, But I mean, for every performance I've done so far, I've done two looks, which is two days of filming because mm -hmm. it takes three hours to get ready. And then I need my husband to do the filming for me. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to be awake. I would That's do two. Like, I, I usually wake up around noon, two o'clock, sometimes five in the afternoon. So, you know, I have to get <laughs> ready. And then he's like, okay, well, I want to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And. So I, maybe I would do two looks, but um, in the same day, but I end up doing separate days, which is probably better anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of work for sure. So definitely, yeah. so definitely support all of, both of these wonderful individuals because they do it all themselves. And for the most part, of course, they have a, a, little, a little help here and there from like friends and uh, significant others and such. But it's a lot of work, y'all. So uh, on top of like IRL stuff and their own streaming schedules and all that stuff. So like it's it's it can be a lot. So definitely show them lots of love um and uh, yeah their socials will be in the description of the the video or the audio however you're watching or listening to this um this episode is sponsored and brought to you by grindingcoffee.co and they are a black and lgbtqia plus owned business that is aimed to provide premium quality coffee to content creators and viewers alike um my personal recommendation is they have this gorgeous sample pack of flavored coffees that includes French vanilla, hazelnut, cinnamon, caramel, mocha, and cinnamon hazelnut, which all of it sounds so yummy. I was going to curse just for a second. I don't know why I didn't, but <laughs> it's so, it sounds so <laughs> yummy and I couldn't choose one. So they're sending me the sample pack uh, to try all of them out and then choose a fave out of it. Um, Shalora is also uh, partnered with them as well, and uh, she's also like she also has her thing going on with them, so it's super exciting. Uh, but yeah, uh, very passionate about supporting um, queer businesses and Black businesses as well. So um, it's really important to do so, and you get to support me and them by using my code Project Ruby at checkout, and you get a little bit of a discount, thirteen percent, honey. Yes. Um, So yeah, thank you, Grinding Coffee, for for supporting my content creation, truly. Um, but speaking of content creation, and this this one is like messy content creation. Uh, let's talk about Bon Appetit. So um, back in June, they were criticized, rightfully so, for their unfair treatment towards their uh, BIPOC employees uh, 
unequal compensation for video appearances, a toxic work environment, along among other things. Um, and uh, this was back in June. So recently, a couple days ago from the time that we're recording this, um, Priya, Sola, and Rick, three of the more three of the popular video personalities that were on on the show and all three of them are BIPOC individuals. They announced that they will no longer appear in the video series. Um, and obviously, all of them have their own statements. I'm not going to be quoting each of them specifically. You can go to their own pages to do that. Um, for the sake of the show, obviously, not because we don't care about the statements. But the general consensus is that the Condé Nast Entertainment, which is the responsible figure for like the video part of it, um, they failed to negotiate with the editors, uh, essentially, and they, um, they basically did not want to compensate them properly, or they failed to come to agreement with the, with the video, uh, on the video side of things. So as far as I understand, all three of them will continue to work on the magazine part of it, but they're not working with the entertainment part of it. Um, as a result of that announcement, uh, two other very popular um, test kitchen employees, video personalities, Gabby and Molly, also announced that they will no longer appear in videos. Um, and the last addition to all of the people like quitting and doing all of that stuff was just, I think, yesterday, off the time we were recording this, the only two black editorial staff members, their names are Ryan Walker, Hart Shorn, and Jesse Sparks, they quit Bon Appetit altogether, and they accused Condé Nast um, of failing to rec uh, recognize, excuse me, I can't speak, to recognize their contributions, as well as they felt that they were being used as uh, like basically tokenism. They were they were being used to make the company seem more diverse than it actually is. Um, so my my good Judies, what did y'all think about this entire update? Because we obviously discussed this on the show back uh, a couple months ago, but I felt like it was important to talk about this because there's a, it's a it's a very interesting situation seeing what the company actually did or in this case, didn't do. Uh, we can start right. with Shalora for this one, because I know she's a big fan of the video series, or at least was. <laughs> was, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, well, I'm a fan of the personalities, yeah. really. Um, I mean, this is kind of expected at this point. Like, I didn't really think that... Uh, there was a hope that maybe yeah. there would be something better that would come out of it, but nothing did come out of it. Um, they were offered like double and a bit of the original agreement, which if you actually look at the numbers, it's not a lot. Right. Um, just for being on the video. And they had a clause where if you were in the video less than two minutes, you wouldn't be paid at all. So I feel like the clause, because of it, it's kind of like, oh, we were going to sneak this in and, you know, we're going to edit it in a way that you're going to be under two minutes every time yeah. because we don't want to pay you. It's just kind of my thought process on that based on how sneaky they have been before. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad that they didn't take it. Um, and they were just kind of like, well, see ya. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like, I don't want to work here for this kind of thing. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, the the channel itself has lost popularity um, by about 80% um, of what it was mm -hmm. in March since then. Um, I think that they haven't posted anything in two months. Yeah. Uh, since last, since I, I checked it the other day, just to be like, what is their latest video? You know, are yeah. they doing anything? Go on um, their social blade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I, I think that it's probably going to flop. I I think that um, Priya, I think, posted mm -hmm. in one of their, their posts that um, some people from the test kitchen were vocal about all this stuff, but they were still complicit in the background, um, which leads me to wonder who that was. Um, not my business. Well, I guess we'll find out later. Yeah. But like, um, I'm going to be really disappointed for whoever that is. Um, I know that there was this kind of discussion um, that was made public about Andy and Chris Morocco. Yeah. Who were interviewing um, for a black chef. Um, and I wonder like what, process that was or if you know that's really the i don't, I don't know i don't know yeah. what's going on with that mm -hmm. right <laughs> you I, don't know if it's like are they just interviewing them to see if they're like a good fit or are they interviewing yeah. them and they're like you know the Token gatekeeper or whatever yeah mm -hmm. and even in the deals that they may be presenting are they giving them deals that are equal to the white counterparts or are they just trying to give them a shitty deal and hope that they get the deal for what it is you know um, mm -hmm. because from, so, from what I understand, oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, uh I was just going to say that, um, I feel like this is a speculation and it makes me sad, yeah. but I feel like Brad, uh, Leone is going to be one of the people who just goes back and it's just like, whatever, mm -hmm. um, just based on lack of anything he's one of the most popular if not the most popular based on his series it's alive he's also one of the people i think with the highest positions in the test kitchen um and he's white and a male and he's heterosexual right. so like it just kind of makes me a bit upset that they don't use their privilege and their position and the fact that they are one of the most popular in the kitchen and probably the one one of the most profitable mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. having this kind of um, checkmate position could really have changed uh, the, the the mindset and the and the processing and the you know everything of the company and their their thoughts. Yeah. So. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like that was my big reaction to it was seeing. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised that nothing changed. Of course, it's it's always going to be like a disappointed but not surprised. Exactly. Um, and I do think it's interesting to, you know, so many companies were saying things, but because this company was like so visible like this with their talent, with their videos and stuff, it is um, it is like a more unique snapshot of like literally like what is happening, how, you know, companies are fake woke and using social justice as marketing tactics and liars and all of that good stuff. So I do all of that good stuff. Why the hell did I say that? <laughs> um, all of that absolutely terrible stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what the hell are you thinking, bitch? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's 
excuse me god you know what just can't just cut me there cut the I, cameras. i'll cut be the back cameras. next week <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah no it's it is uh i think it's important to see to have like a very concrete example of the companies being racist, lying, all of that stuff. But uh, like Chalor was saying, I think the most disappointing thing for me is knowing that Carla didn't speak up. Um, I think Claire specifically, like her contract was done anyway. So, I mean, maybe she won't come back. Um, I love Claire, but hopefully, I mean, she does something else. Yeah. I just feel like if all of the people stood together like for their friends <laughs> and their co-workers like they said they would i didn't actually see that molly and gabby announced they'll no longer appear in videos that's great but again yeah. gabby number one is a woman of color um i don't i forget exactly i think argentinian or something doesn't really matter but she is a yeah. woman of color mm-hmm. um and uh you know it was nice to see molly as a white one speaking up but notice those are two women they're yeah. already like you know gonna have more trouble like they're putting more at risk too yeah. you know because it's harder for women to, you know, ascend the ladder because of sexism and the patriarchal society. Um, and, you know, chefs, there's not that many like women head chefs. There's I just feel like they're they're Yeah, potentially giving up so much. And I understand that, you know, Brad has kids. Carla has a family, whatever. Chris has a family. But at the same time, like you probably also got plenty of money. Yeah. <laughs> so like, speak up. That's why your voices are so powerful. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it really is mind blowing to me that I don't, yeah, this is something that I guess is a little bit more surprising to me where I'm disappointed and a little surprised where it's just like, even though at the time when I like saw Chris post and Carla post, I was like, I do not trust (laughs) y'all. Even though I like them as people, I don't know. It just kind of came off as like, you know, they don't really understand or care. They're just kind of saying it because they saw Molly post and they were like, ooh, the, oh, the white girl posted. So now we got to post too because <laughs> we're also white. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, the white girl posted. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, I, I really can't like fully wrap my head around that. Like they seem, maybe they're also not close. You know, maybe there was also a lot of beef in there. Yeah. But you know, on the videos, they seem like close. They seem like a team. They're always doing these things together and it just feels like they should have each other's backs and they don't. Um and the fact that they get to they the fact that they were getting this money all along and they will continue to get this money. Meanwhile, the people who weren't even getting paid now have to like take different positions, maybe yeah. take even more of a pay cut in some ways or, you know, figure out some other like ways to get income because Bon Appetit is going to be maybe a little less consistent if they're just doing articles or whatever. I don't know. It just is like nasty top to bottom, like mm-hmm. nasty tops, nasty bottoms. <laughs> meeting in the middle it's really sweaty and dirty and not fun absolutely it's not fun <laughs> i just think it's so unfortunate too like the way that like when they were in their prime they were providing um spaces for other online creators too so it wasn't just like real life people and they were kind of because i find that like online this was before coronavirus but it, i find <laughs> that the online um hub is kind of uh a misrepresented community like mm-hmm. when we think like oh a streamer we think like ah oh, one of those gamer people who don't mm-hmm. work you know right um or like a, a youtuber oh that's not a real job yeah. um and the same thing with drag queen like not a real job so carla had that um 
little mini series with like Trixie Mattel and like Markiplier and all these other yeah. artists and things, which I thought well, those are going to really... be huge for her brand too, because yeah. those are like big names. But at the same time, now in the now in the back of my head, I'm like, well, they only invited big people, you know, mm -hmm. like Markiplier is already huge. Why does he need to be on the show when there's people who are like lesbians, like Amelia Fart, who are huge in Canada? But yeah, not, yeah, I love her. Not anywhere else. And she's, unfortunately, I don't know where she is now, and I hope that she's well. But, like, she could have used a spot. <laughs> she was doing, yeah. like, a bunch of stuff to do cooking shows and all these things um, that I thought, you know, she's a really interesting character, I think would have made a really funny episode. Yeah. Um, just helping, like, people who really could have used the kick rather than people who are already at the top. Right. So, uh, like this is that's the same with Trixie Mattel and Ms. Cracker at the time, uh, or Shangela even. Yeah. Like we we could have picked people maybe from Dragula or maybe from a different kind of drag scene or even the local drag scene or maybe put Trixie Mattel and somebody else. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, so just kind of that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, we were talking about this on another show I was on, just talking about like companies not caring about like the smaller creators, which is like obviously kind of a given. But it's also just like they just don't like people don't care to do like the research. They don't they just want to put in the least work possible. You know, yeah. they're just like, oh, I saw that person in the headline. So let me bring them on. Um, yeah. And it's disappointing because, again, they're such and I feel like the fan base of Bon Appetit would have really resonated with what you were saying, Chalora, yeah. you know, like. I feel like it's a very young fan base and like hip and cute and cool. And they would have been like super into those types of videos because yeah. it would be unexpected. Yeah. But also it's not like the people are like unknown, you know, I feel like mm -hmm. it would have been a win for everyone. But you know what also would have been a win for everyone? Compensating them all. Right. Yes. <laughs> Maybe giving one of the people of color a show. I remember I like I was always wondering. I was like, OK, so Claire has a show. Brad has a show and Carla has a show. Uh, they're all nice. They're all good people. But like, I feel like Gabby's the fave. Where's Gabby's show? Once in a while, you know, you would see like Sola or Priya or someone do like a single recipe show. Yeah. But those aren't as like fun and interactive. And I'm like, and yeah, literally there's like no black person anywhere to be seen in the mm -hmm. videos unless they're like, oh, we brought like this person in from the office or whatever. And it's like, mm -hmm. black people are chefs too. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they had someone cool. make an appearance for, I think, Black History Month or something. And that was a whole oh. can of worms because they because they didn't have any person of color on staff. They basically sent Sola, I think. I think it was Sola who talked about it on BuzzFeed. Uh, she did an article. Uh, she did an exclusive interview with them at the time uh, when she came out with a lot of like the accusations against uh, Bon Appetit and um, and the head, the editor in chief at the time. And uh, yeah, and she said it was very uncomfortable and stuff like that. And we talked about this on the show as well. Um, to me, it it I think it's gonna make it a, an interesting dynamic. I don't think they will recover to the point where they were before the controversy hit, because one, I don't know how they they're gonna be scheduling the videos 
at least, well, when they're able to finally get back into the test kitchen, for now, they can probably avoid having the people that they that said that they wouldn't be on the videos anymore. But if you think about it, that test kitchen that they use, they use it also for like to test recipes for the magazine. They don't just use it for video content. So it will be interesting to like, are they going to have different shooting schedules so that the people that are just doing behind the scenes work don't show up on camera? Are they going to blur people's faces on camera so to not compensate them? And it's like, they're going to be all the way in the back doing their work. Do not talk to them. Do not interact with them because they're not going to be on camera. Like it's, it, it's going to be a weird environment because I think at least the illusion that the, the, the shows brought was that it was kind of like this community thing. And like one second they're in, in front of the camera, one second they're like, Hey, Come here, girl. Let's help me out here with something. You know, and it felt like it was kind of like a family and everybody was helping each other out. But if, but obviously the, there's different, um, like we mentioned earlier, there's Condé Nast and there's Condé Nast Entertainment and both of them are different. They technically work as different companies. One of them is for the magazine. One of them is for the video department. So it's like, how are they going to balance the two? I guess for now they can do it easily because everybody is working at home. So they can just easily not, you know, get that person in the Zoom call or whatever. But like, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. Um, I hope that a lot of the individuals that said that they weren't going to be on video actually follow through with their word um, because it's easy to say, oh, I'm not going to be on camera until they fix the situation. But if they didn't fix the situation, are you still going to be on camera after they they're like, hey, we'll pay you double so that you show up. Hey, we, you know, all, take a new deal. Do this, do that. And they look at the, those bills pile up as well because we're everybody is in a pandemic, you True. know, like no matter how wealthy you are, some of those opportunities that they may have had or other, other side gigs, they may not have them anymore. So it's like, are they still going to follow through with their word? So I was happy to at least see that Molly, for example, as a white ally, she actually followed through with her word. And uh, unfortunately, because she is a woman, she's not going to, you know, the company is not going to be ruined because Molly is not on camera. You know, uh, it would have been like you guys said, it would have been a, a bigger deal if, the male counterparts were like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And they haven't spoken up at all. So, you know, we'll see as it goes. There's probably going to be a third update on this in a future episode. So stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> stay tuned. Um, it's going to get spicier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of, um, of spicy content. No, that was a terrible transition. Uh, <laughs> Canada's Drag I done the same. You're good. Has been... Uh, criticized online for the way that they critique their contestants. So uh, Canada's Drag Race is, you know, the Canadian version of RuPaul's Drag Race. And uh, they're, the, the season is still ongoing. Obviously, this was pre-recorded like last year or whatever. Um, and the judges have been getting, I guess there's clips of the judges going around on social media um, and everybody in the fandom kind of questions some of their critiques at times. They say that sometimes they're just being mean, sometimes they're not being constructive. And the most recent one featured the judge Jeffrey Bow Bow Bowyer, Bayer, 
Chapman. Uh, I'm terrible at Boyer. names. Boyer. There you go. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Um, and he uh, was basically just suggesting that a contestant put full coverage foundation on her bud. And uh, they didn't really address it much on the show, but apparently uh, Brooklyn, the one of the hosts... Uh, former Drag Race contestant from the U.S. version. Um, she uploaded a, a small video and she was like, oh, he said that not because he was body shaming, but because I guess she had like razor bump marks or whatever because she was shaving or whatever. And But some people still were like, well, that wasn't necessary still. Like, who cares? It's like, don't, it's it's realistic, basically. Like, if... You know, the the human body has flaws, you know, let them exist without, you know, put a bunch of foundation on it or whatever. Uh, people just felt like it was inappropriate. Some people felt like it was unnecessary because it has it really doesn't have much to do with like the the presentation. It's not like her razor bumps showing will ruin the outfit or will ruin the fantasy or whatever it is. So it just felt like a little weird for a lot of people. But uh, first things first, are y'all watching Canada's Drag Race? Because I'm not, so I can't really judge no. from the perspective of, like, watching the whole season and knowing if, like, you know, if this is taken out of context or whatever. Yeah, I actually, I have been watching. I've been finding it um, legally, of course, um, mm -hmm. you know, just, like, through the regular channels that you're supposed to use. Of course. Um, I haven't, I tried to find the most recent episode, the one that that clip is from, but I couldn't find it legally anywhere, um, and I didn't even try illegally. Anyway, <laughs> let me stop being dumb with those jokes. Um, yeah, so I, uh, first of all, from, like, week one, I can't remember all the details exactly of, of all the criticisms, of course, mm -hmm. but um, from week one, the show was just kind of off. The queens were fun. The queens seemed good, um, you know, and also I just kind of figured the show was off because they're trying to figure out their footing and how to do it in the best way where it's, you know, feels like drag race, but also feels like Canada's drag race instead of like a weird copy, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, from the start, especially Jeffrey Boyer Chapman, he just was like very uncharismatic. He came off as like very fake and he would just make like a lot of like shady looks and comments and uh, like he, um, and to a lesser extent, but I did see Brooklyn do it a few times too. They would just kind of like come for the Queens and the Queen would maybe like explain something. I think there's a difference between explaining something and making an excuse, right. you know? And, you know, maybe a queen would explain something of like, like Jeffrey would say like, oh, you did all of that, but you didn't do this. And the queen was like, well, I literally like did, you know, I, I was, I mean, I get, I don't know. I guess it could come off as an excuse. I was thinking of like specifically the Jimbo episode with like the recycled for anyone who does watch it. Um, there was an episode where they had to use like recycled materials and um, one team had paper, one team had metal and one team had something else. I don't remember. Plastic. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and the paper team, one of the queens, Jimbo, had this like super extravagant, like beautiful, like dress, top to bottom. And like the only critique was like, oh, you didn't like put powder on your arms. Can you put powder on your face? And uh, I think later someone was like, oh, yeah, like I just didn't want to or something because it, it was trying to be like historically accurate with um, who that queen that said cut off their heads or whatever. Marie Antoinette. But yeah. Yeah. Ms. Maria. 
Um, I think later they were like, yeah, Ms. Maria didn't do that either. But right. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman was like, you know what? Well, you should have used your time better because look at all these queens and look what they did. Meanwhile, Jimbo had like the best outfit of anyone by far and made it like from scratch while also helping like their whole team like as well. But there's just been, it's been a lot about the delivery for me and people have really tried to compare, say that Jeffrey Boyer Chapman's trying to be like Michelle, Michelle Visage, but without any of like the nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just been like, it's been honestly kind of rude and kind of like coming out of left field. Like I feel like there's a very different and they just keep, I don't know, it's like, it feels very catty. Right. And he's always like, oh, you just like, you don't have good taste. You don't have good taste or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, let's see you do something like this. I feel like it's different to right. like saying like this outfit or whatever just like wasn't at the level versus like you don't have good taste and you need to get better. And I mean, maybe that's true in a way, mm-hmm. but I just feel like it's like, I don't know, there's different ways to say it. But this last clip was like, honestly, when I saw it, I like legit, legitimately got like, well, I got heated from other stuff he said too, but this one especially was really like fight or flight. Like I literally felt like I was in the room getting bullied. Like the way he said it, it wasn't like, you know, well, I think you should put on some foundation. Like, first of all, the the queen that he was criticizing was Alona Verley, um, who was also a native person, identifies as two-spirit and uses she, they pronouns as far as I could tell. Um, so, you know, this drag queen, although is not a fan favorite in some ways because they're portraying her whether she deserves to be or not as a villain um but for jeffrey to come in and honestly this outfit looked amazing like it looked great and her butt looked great like to me watching it looked great and he's like yeah i loved your outfit but turn around yeah sorry you're just really gonna want to like cover that up with some full coverage foundation because it like doesn't look good or like something like that but he like says it really like (laughs) really catty yeah (laughs) and i was like first of all butt looks great Secondly, like, <laughs> yeah. if you want to say something like that, all you have to do is like, hey, love your look, turn around. Like, also turning around, actually, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's like, it is kind of like, weird. Making, like, a spectacle out of it. I would just say, like, hey, I noticed, you know, you uh, had some razor bumps or like, something. Like, great Wait. butt, but, you know, uh, in the future, I would say just to make everything look consistent and cohesive and smooth it all out like some foundation would be great for that but i loved your outfit but instead it makes it feel like a critique it makes it feel like her showing her natural ass is like ruined the outfit for him right and also (laughs) speaking of which he's like the hot one he's like the muscular one so coming from that it's very much like mask top i mean not i don't know if he's a top or not i don't care but i just mean like he's perceived as like a hot mask top uh you know dipping his toes in like femininity and like now critiquing this two-spirit you know gender non-binary um person Mm -hmm. and it's just like gross on so many levels and i didn't like him before this i thought he was boring and uncharismatic and he honestly keeps getting worse and i guess people were saying that brooklyn was really mean in that episode too but i couldn't find it so yeah I've seen, I, I've heard of the criticisms for Jeffrey specifically, but apparently Brooklyn, ha- I've also heard stuff about her, but apparently she's not as bad. Um, but um, the thing about Brooklyn, though, I think I think she's getting less criticized because she's at least, like, she has a bunch of experience. She's won, like, yeah. several <laughs> titles and all that stuff. And some people are starting to question, uh, I think Jeffrey specifically, but apparently some other judges don't, 
also have like a lot of drag background or anything like that and uh, they're kind of criticizing the validity of their judgment because that even happens on drag race sometimes on the u.s version they're like who's yeah. ross matthews to say someone doesn't have a taste level in drag when he's never done drag in his life so like it's a it's a fair criticism in my opinion but do you feel like that's a fair criticism chalora to to say that maybe their comments aren't as valid because or they shouldn't even be saying those stuff, those things, because they're not, they've never done drag in their life before. I think it depends on like a lot of factors. Like there are the difference between obviously like there, you can be a makeup artist, but not a drag queen. So you'd mm -hmm. have ideas of, you know, that sort of thing. Or maybe you used to work in a magazine that produced fashion content like Vogue or something, or you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there are these kind of different backgrounds that apply but or just general pop culture you know i get references so i'll understand xyz so maybe that makes me a good judge but i think what makes a good judge is just just unbiased judging you know maybe i don't get this but they get it so why should i you know like like obviously they're into it if i know that they're into it and they're confident in it and they're whatever like, why would I care if it's my taste level? I'm not going to say your taste level is bad. My taste level probably needs some improvement if I don't get this. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, it's like on Snatch Game when someone did Eartha Kit and they made a Yzma joke, right? They said um, wrong lever or something like that from Emperor's New Groove. RuPaul didn't get it because he probably didn't watch the movie because he doesn't get the reference. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what's wrong with that? He doesn't get the reference. Oh it's my god! Same, it doesn't. It doesn't here. make the performance less funny. It just means that he didn't get the reference. Exactly. And your job, like even for me, like I, if I don't get a reference, I'm not gonna think like, oh, that wasn't funny, right? You know, unless someone gives it to me, or you know, whatever. Maybe I'll see a, a makeup look or a, you know, a performance, and it's like, oh, it was based on this. It's like, oh, okay, cool, great. Mm -hmm. You know, love that. I don't have to look it up. I don't need to check your sources. I'll just believe you. Like, <laughs> exactly. Right. I think so that stuff happens yeah. more too with like the, um, you know, like white characters or whatever are more like universally known naturally. So like in Canada's Drag Race, uh, they just did Snatch Game, I think like the week before this one. And like someone was Jojo Siwa and mm -hmm. like a lot of people didn't know who that was. But when they watched after, they were like, I get it. And Jojo Siwa was such like a, random character that she's funny yeah. no matter what meanwhile priyanka did um miss cleo and they portrayed her as like the worst one of the night and she wasn't the best but i thought she was like decent middle of the road um they portrayed her as the worst because of production whatever they want to do but really it was just because the two judges were white and brooklyn was white and they didn't understand like priyanka speaking in like patois or like you know making any like little references to like Jamaican culture or whatever, where even though I'm not Jamaican, you know, I feel like I've just been around more people of color in my life and uh, and black people and, you know, heard certain things or just heard Miss Cleo and like understood it. So I was just like, yeah. like you were saying, Chalora, like people are like automatically, they're like, oh, well, I don't get it. So it must be bad. And it's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like as a, if I was in Brooklyn's shoes, also just being white, like, if I was to, if I was to, especially for a first season, they're really throwing you a bone. They're like, here, have a show. Right. And she didn't even win. But like, 
you know, they're really throwing her everything for this. And I can talk to the production team. Who is doing who? Tell me all the people. Okay, I don't know who Miss Cleo is. Let me go Google that real quick. That's a good point, yeah. Watch it for like at least 30 minutes, maybe a few hours of who is Miss Cleo? What are there, you know? Yeah. I want to get the references. I want to get the jokes. So, because I should give everyone a fair chance. And I yeah. think yeah. that, especially in that setting, you want to kind of, especially just as an entertainer, because she's not the only person being judged here. Just because she's the head judge, I'm going to judge her. Right. I'm a viewer. Exactly. So, if you don't, like the same way that RuPaul didn't get the Eartha Kit reference, it, like now I think he's an idiot. <laughs> right. Well, I already thought he was an idiot, but for other reasons, you know, for multiple reasons, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in like what, 2000? Like it's been 20 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aside from that, you know, I, I did watch the um, Brooklyn Heights little blurb, whatever video for her, like explaining what happened with the judging and whatever. I think it's trash. I think it's garbage. I think it's a cover up. I think she's just trying to cover her ass. Um, uh, uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> because, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if anyone here has also tried to like shave their ass, but it is not easy. It is not an easy task. I hate like squatting over a mirror in the bathroom, like <laughs> away, and still you miss stuff. Especially with their time restraints and stuff. Yeah, so I'm sure she, they were at their hotel room going, you know, and then they have <laughs> to go on sounds. the show. <laughs> you have to go on the show, and then you have to do your face and do your hair and do your, you know, whole costume. It's a full concept. The last thing you're going to think about is, do I have razor burn on my ass? Right. You know, like, now I have to go up to, a, like, the mirror on the wall and go, ooh, you know, like, bend <laughs> over and look at it and then go, whoop, whoop, you know, like, that's the last thing right. that you're, like, there's no, you know, just like the same critique the first time that everybody was critical of, oh, you had two hours, like, you know, everybody has the same time. Like, right. whatever, dude. Like, <laughs> there's no time for this, if you ask me. And maybe some people do have that time. That's great. But, you know, maybe for... Uh, everybody everybody's different everybody has their own time not to mention that like everybody gets razor burn it's no big deal and um she was like well you know you couldn't see it on the show but it was there and it was like i don't care like we didn't <laughs> see it on the show yeah like, like, i don't i don't i just you're on a stage there's at least 10 lights on you it's probably barely noticeable anyway like well i just I've had all these lights on me as a streamer and it shows literally every flaw. I have a pimple. They're going to see it. Yeah. So I don't understand how we don't see it on the show. Like I'm sure I could zoom in on HD and I won't find it. So yeah. I just, I just think it's a, a hogwash. Uh, Mookie in chat actually brought up an interesting question. Um, they said, interesting conversation. Shouldn't a performer use something more popular as a reference for a joke or something in a show like that? Um, and that that is a complicated question for me. And it's something that um, for someone who's not in, from the U.S., there's a lot of layers to that question for me. Uh, and I say that because 
obviously there are drag race contestants who are either immigrants or they're from families of immigrants so there's a lot of stuff that maybe someone in the u.s would be like oh yeah that is totally a culturally relevant thing that everybody should know but that person maybe doesn't know and um that happens a lot as well when it comes to I'm sure all of us have seen this on stream, for example, where someone makes a reference in chat and you're like, oh, I don't I don't get that reference. And they're like, wait, what? You've never seen yeah. that? You've never heard that? You've never watched that? And and there, and, and that's it's it's very subjective. It's very subjective to your background, to what you were up to at the time. And I think. I think there's something to be said as well about the age range of judges because yeah let's be real a lot of the a lot of the people who do successful drag um not drag successful snatch game characters in the, for the example of drag race sometimes they do characters that for, like people that not a lot of people in today's generation would know about. Let's be real about that, you know? Like, little Edie, for example, for uh, for Jinx Monsoon. Like, nobody would... Like, literally, a lot of the... I would say 90% of the Drag Race audience didn't know who that was. And I say that the same way that I say a lot of the references that they make. Even Rue sometimes makes jokes or references that... Uh, an average viewer is like, wait, what he's what is he referencing? Like, I don't get it. Like, um... And I, I think it comes with a lot of ego-centric stuff because the judges, like Chilora said, they could easily... They, they don't have their phones taken away like the contestants. They can easily look something up, but they choose not to because in their mind, they're like, no, I'm the judge. I'm the person with the knowledge here. I'm the person who, you know, if you're doing something, a reference that I didn't understand... Clearly, you chose someone who's irrelevant, or clearly that wasn't culturally relevant. Because if it was, I would know about it. So I think that's there's that's why there's a lot of layers to that one. And there was the example of like um, in a previous season of um, of Drag Race, one of the contestants didn't know who, or like she said she only found out about Beyonce, or she only got into Beyonce's music or like persona like recently. Because she's for like she's an immigrant, she's from Thailand, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like there, there's just a lot of stuff that people are like, oh wow, how come you don't know that? But it's like everybody has different backgrounds, and there's a lot of privilege a lot of the times to know a pop culture reference. Because let's be real, there's families who don't have a TV, there's families who don't have internet access, there's families who don't have a lot of that stuff. So it's like there's a lot of privilege that comes with that, and people don't really understand sometimes, and they're just like, oh maybe you should have just maybe you should have just chosen someone more relevant but like if in my opinion Jojo Siwa is very relevant like I feel like for most people watching or listening to the today's episode of the podcast I would say the majority would know who Jojo Siwa was you know or is I said was because her name ends <laughs> in wa and I just, it just rolled off my tongue to say was um but you know, it, it, it's it's the same thing when um, in a recent season someone did uh, Poppy, right? It's like mm-hmm. a lot of people know who that is. A lot of people watching know who that is. But just because the judges didn't know doesn't mean that she did a bad job, you know? Um, it, I guess it does a little tie into though. You, I guess, I guess part of it is on the contestants to kind of okay, like 
I should probably pick someone that like Rue would know easily. Yeah, you know, right. Like it is risky, but at the same time, then you know, thinking about like Priyanka doing Miss Cleo, like anyone our age or a little bit older or probably even a little bit younger would like get Miss Cleo and know Miss Cleo, but they just like didn't. So I think there's sometimes yeah. where you're like, oh yeah, everyone will get this, and then they don't get it, and you're like, ah. Eh? But I, I do think there is a little bit to to what Mookie's saying. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a balance. Yeah. Like someone else on Canada did Gypsy Rose, who like I had heard of, but I didn't really like, think that would be that funny, and it wasn't really that funny. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but you know, it was like this girl who like her mom convinced her that she had cancer. It was like this big story, I guess, a while back, and so a queen named Boa was like the girl who uh, was like thought she had like terminal cancer her whole life and um yeah i mean there's not really that much cultural reference for that that was right. very much more like a snapshot so i'm like maybe that's not the best character but some other ones like yeah, yeah. sorry i was just i was giggling to myself not because of the story <laughs> that you were telling but because a passion in chat just said or we could just stop watching drag race yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean that's why i watch canada <laughs> that's why i wasn't watching <laughs> But, like, it, it kind of sucks to limit yourself on such a difficult topic. Yeah. Like, may, may, like, there's maybe, like, one in 20 people that are really good at impressions. And the rest are kind of, like, okay. And then most of them are bad. Yeah. So to limit yourself to, like, okay, what does the head judge know? Right. It's kind of, like, uh, you know, like... If I I live on the internet, if I had to go do Snatch Game or an impersonation thing, I'd probably choose like Jenna Marbles or Amelia Fart or like even like, let's say Miss Yeah from China. Who's going to know that? Right. She's su hugely popular in China, but not so popular here. Mm -hmm. Or like Cooking with Dog from Japan or like, you know, like there are so many things that yeah. being on the internet you would know, but maybe other people won't know. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult to be like, like, I wouldn't want to say like, oh, yeah, um, nobody knows anyone from the internet. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to, I have to choose uh, Shakira. And it's like, well, I don't know anything about Shakira. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. Like, that's, that's how you end up with like really bad performances. And it's like, I'd rather just perform Amelia Fart really well, do my stupid twirling and my weird outfits and my weird take out a freaking pot and start just cooking for no reason and, <laughs> you know, all these things and have like a little Dobby doll and all this other stuff, you know, then, and, and try to be funny in a way that, you know, even if they don't know this person, they might find it funny um, and just have really good characterization that way. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that, of, oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I was just going to say instead of like reaching <laughs> mm -hmm. and not knowing my references. Yeah. Another thing though, it's, um, even if the head judge knows who that is, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a funny performance. So on the other side of the spectrum, if you choose a character that's very niche, you could you could make it whatever because they're not going to know who that is. So you could make it even funnier or a very exaggerated version true. of the character. Um, and I feel like that's sometimes a little bit of the issue with uh, with the performances on uh, on Snatch Game, to be specific, with Drag Race, is that um, sometimes they know the character very well and they have a lot of these references, but they're not able to make the character 
work for people who don't know who that is or they're not able to work in that scenario of like the improv of uh, of the the challenge but i do think that you know just with that whole thing of like being relevant and or characters that are or people that are more relevant and more culturally like people would be more in tune with that it's like it's very it's very subjective to who you are and i think having a younger judge for example not saying that you should replace all of the judges with younger people because that would be terrible but if at least one person one head judge was someone who was more in tune with social media they would be cackling at some of the references that people make and um, not to even mention there's probably some stuff that queens say on the show for example that probably gets cut out of the show because the editors may not understand some of the references that they're making or some of the jokes that they're making and, and stuff like that so they're like oh that's not funny like what 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 are they saying you know because like there's probably people who watch a twitch stream and they will laugh at a bunch of stuff that we say but if we said those same things in a different scenario people would be like what are you saying because they wouldn't understand the references that we're making or the jokes that we were trying to say and um and stuff like that but um yeah um sly is asking do you um sly is asking i wonder what's going to happen to that drag canada drag race judge um do you think he's not going to be do you think they're going to be changing up the judges for next season do you think they're going to be taking into consideration social media's no. feedback and they're going to be doing something or yeah what do you think one of my friends was like, they probably just won't even renew it for a second season at this point. Valid. Because Canada, I, my Canadian friend. Um, so it's real, you know, I'm speaking from a place of expertise. <laughs> my Canadian friend said that he's like... <laughs> was that no, Shalora? Could be. Um, said that, yeah, I guess Canada, like, spinoffs are kind of notoriously known for not getting that second season. Mm, so yeah. when he said that, I was like, hmm, like, maybe they wouldn't. I feel like they would totally shake it up. I was trying to imagine, like, what would they do? Would they maybe make the winner of Canada's Drag Race then become the host? Although that seems kind of rushed. Very interesting. Right. Yeah. At least a winner would be the head judge then. Ooh, ooh. Get her. <laughs> I... <laughs> That's another thing, like, Brooklyn has a lot of, like, background in, like, in the drag world, and a lot of people kind of revere her, if you will. But I think, I thought it was an interesting choice having a contestant that didn't win, quote-unquote, regular drag race, be the person in charge of another country's drag race, when they could have probably, like, I don't know, I, I obviously am from Portugal, so I and I barely keep up with U.S. culture, um, so I don't really know if there would be like a drag queen or a drag artist in general in Canada that would be more relevant to have as a um, main host or even like as a host that people could get to know because the way that they did it, the, I haven't seen the show, but from what I understand, they don't like Brooklyn is not the equivalent of RuPaul. They're doing it like right. Thailand did, where they basically have, like, co-hosts, if you will. So, um, you know, they could have they, they could have did what Thailand did. They, like, have two uh, artists that people that may watch don't really know because they don't really keep up with drag culture, but make them fall in love with these people and with their talent and with their artistry, which is why I love 
Drag Race Thailand, and I hope that they have a third season. Uh, the only, as far as I'm aware, the only Drag Race winner that is trans is from Thailand. So, uh, aren't all the judges on Drag Race Thailand drag queens or drag people? Um, the two main judges, from what I understand, they have um, one of them is a like a working drag queen, like she does like a lot of gigs and stuff like that. The other, I don't know if they're more of like a, like artist in general, and they do drag as like one of the one of their avenues for their express their their expression. Uh, but mm-hmm. the judges tend to be like fashion people, industry people. So like they tend to be like designers. Okay. Um, they have like a lot of like entertainers, actors. Um, d- depending on what's relevant to that challenge, but they're very like they're pretty harsh with the fashion there because they actually have like high fashion people and like designers and stuff, and they're like, mm, I don't know about the taste mm. level, but but then as a viewer, you're like, okay, that person is like a huge designer, so like, you know, mm. you you take that more, like you you can understand that comment more than someone who's like you know, a comedian and they're like, Oh, I don't know about your taste level in fashion. And you're like, girl, you didn't even yeah. like, you didn't even dress yourself. Like you had someone to dress you right. today. <laughs> and <laughs> and what you're wearing is not even hair. that cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Come on, t-shirt and khakis. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Don't read me. I was going to say like calling out my, my, my stream fashion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, moving on to a little bit of a Q and a sec- section of the show for, for the viewers who are watching this on Twitch live, uh, th- th- you get an opportunity to claim uh, some Q&A questions for me and for my wonderful co-hosts for today's episode. And we have another question. It's kind of Drag Race li- related still, but uh, it comes from Spinbland. And the question is, what's one thing each of you would change about Drag Race if you could change whatever you wanted? I will start with replace RuPaul. <laughs> oh, that was going to be mine. <laughs> like replace Ru um honestly replace the whole the whole panel with like and and make it like drag legends. Um like Coco Peru and like even like uh former contestants that have been on the show like maybe have them rotate in and out. But I just said Coco Peru for some reason because I that was the first name that came to my mind. But uh, there's like Lady Bunny. There's um, there's probably a lot more references. But for someone who's not from the U.S., that's two more names that some people from the U.S. may not even know. So I'm proud of myself for knowing them. <laughs> you, you did it, girl. Um, but um, but I think replacing, I think kind of giving the show a breath of fresh air would be good for to bring more diversity into the, the seasons, uh, into the cast, and it would bring more perspectives when it came to judging. Because you, you would have queens that have been at it for longer than I exist, and you would have queens that are more into social media, people that are more into the current like uh, scene of Drag Race, like some of the more recent winners, for example. I think it would be really cool to just rep- like replace the judges, if not all of them, at least RuPaul, because I would love to be able to publicly say that I love Drag Race again, and I can't do that anymore because RuPaul is just not a great individual, allegedly. No. Don't sue me. Uh, what about you, Chalora? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like I agree with that 
pretty much wholeheartedly. I think that it would be nice to get some diversity into the mainstream um, drag platform. I know that we have Dragula and stuff, but like I wouldn't necessarily put that on mainstream exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it would, it would really help with the validity of uh, AFAB queens, for example, um, trans people as, as drag uh, people, um, you know, all of the, all of the drag people. Um, I would love to see just more well-rounded judges who have the experience um, to back it up. Like Amanda Lepore would be great. Yeah. She's been in the, she's been in the club scene forever, right? <laughs> forever. Um, and she's still actively in it. So people from the ball scene. Like, yeah. Um, she, she, and she talks to people. She talks to so many people. So I just feel like she has kind of a little bit of everything all over. She does music. She does, you know, all these other things. Um, I think it would be cool to do, um, like you're saying, like previous contestants or previous winners, um, maybe based on how they won. Like if you wanted to do Violet Chachki, she would be the fashion judge. Right. If you wanted to choose um, maybe Bob or Trixie as comedy judge, you know, sort of things like that. So you kind of get this more well-rounded idea of where everybody's coming from. Um, mm -hmm. Because right now, what is RuPaul's qualification? She's been a drag queen for xyz amount of years but she doesn't do shows anymore not really um she doesn't do her own makeup she doesn't really she probably doesn't even pick her own outfits she doesn't do her own hair <laughs> she doesn't really pick anything right she doesn't do she doesn't do anything creative um unfortunately so how do you say that i'm a judge for an art form mm -hmm. as a non-creative person exactly it just kind of it's a bit silly to me now um so can we just bring like legendary to like like netflix <laughs> yeah but also still VH1 change out oh and like yes, all of it because for an international viewer like i'm like how do i legally support this show because i want to like make it known that i support this show and i want a second season but like how do i do it i don't have any legal way of watching it so like can can VH1 just like get legendary and just we can replace Drag Race because I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I feel like we're all gonna have the same answer with what we would change. Like oh, I did have a little um, kind of insider source tell me that, or like a a, a friend who had an insider source Ooh. say that allegedly RuPaul may retire after season thirteen. Um, Ooh. So that could be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing as y'all. Like, more diversity, actually letting, like, all drag artists on the show would be really cool. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Don't need yeah. to drag that out. <laughs> Pun intended. Like, Question mark? <laughs> oh. Drag that out. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Dragula had some guest judges from Drag Race. Like, they had Willem and, like, Fifi and stuff because they embody XYZ. Yeah. So it kind of... You know, there's no reason that just just because they're on another reality TV show or whatever mm -hmm. that they can't. That would make them a better judge, if anything, because they've been through the experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, Boulay Brothers Drag Race and Boulay Brothers Dragula. I'm here for that too. <laughs> <laughs> just have them take over. That could work. They um, add some diversity. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. At least you know, Dragula has a diversity. 
Um, we have a cast. question from Passions Planet. Uh, and she said, when it comes to isolation and remaining at home, what has been your comfort TV slash film slash content in general? Um, I, I know you, you had something, Kisos, that you actually wanted to bring up earlier as a, like a topic when it came to like revisiting stuff. So that that works really well with the with this question. So why don't you? Yeah, I was like, it? I. I can fit it in the the what we're living for section, or uh -huh. I guess we could kind of just do that because it's kind of similar. But I've actually been like reliving, um, reliving my childhood, lady. I don't know if any of you remember this show. It came out in like 2001. It's called The Mole. It was like a reality TV show, and the way it works was like 10-ish contestants. Um, they're all like doing these challenge. It came out okay. Oh my god, I just love it so much that I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting too excited just thinking about it. <laughs> so it came out in like 2001. It was basically like the first reality show. I think the only thing that beat it was Survivor, but it was before Amazing Race, before Fear Factor, before like American Idol, all of those things. And it was it was kind of a mix of all of those together, except American Idol, no singing. But um, so like all of the contestants. Um, would like work together to try to make money for the pot by doing these challenges. Some of them were like mind puzzles. Some of them were more like risky fear things. Some of them were like laser tag, like cool infiltration things. And one character is always the mole. And the way that someone would go home um, is at the end of each episode, every person takes a test on, oh my God, I'm hitting my mic over and over. Every so person excited. takes a test just like <laughs> on, <laughs> Every person takes the test on who they think is the mole and whoever does worst on the test goes home So it's not getting voted out. It's literally about like how well do you know the game? Um, and I rewatched the first season recently and in my head I was like, oh, I remember who the mole is. It's that person and then that person went home and I was like Oh my god, wait, who's the mole? It must be that person. And then at the end, I was like, Hold oh my on. god, that person is the mole the whole time. So I finished season one. I'm reliving season two. It's hosted by Anderson Cooper. It is on YouTube the quality of season two is terrible, but it exists. And I'm really sad that that's ending. I also haven't finished Avatar yet because I'm too sad that it's going to be over. <laughs> um, but yeah, The Mole, amazing. I'm, there's only two good seasons, apparently. And then the other ones are like celebrity and they get gross. But oh. I've been obsessed with that. And it's just made me remember like, sitting at home after school after dinner like watching tv with my mom talking about the shows and drama and just missing those cute days but it has been like kind of comforting to to relive that lately so yes. if you don't know that show go check it out yes yeah, been blend oh my god it's on youtube it is on youtube what about you chalora what has been your comfort um, content these days I don't know because like <laughs> none of it i've been i've just been like a homebody for like so many years probably like four or five years now i don't really go outside don't have friends outside don't don't do anything outside right so um uh, like we moved Me. to ireland or I, I did online school moved to ireland didn't have didn't make any friends there so i've just been homebody since like forever um so like doing everything at home and being at home forever has just kind of been my lifestyle for so long that I don't really, it's not different mm -hmm. <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I usually just, I don't know. I've been watching a lot of um, comfort movies like Sound of Music, uh, Pretty Woman. Yeah. Cute and wholesome. 
There you go. But um, I did recently watch the Divine documentary. Ooh. I don't even know what I is heard it about. That. Is that on Netflix? About Divine. <laughs> oh, like, like her, the, the, their life, the, the person. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For a second, I was like, "Is this like a religious documentary about the divine?" <laughs> oh, it's it's it is so um, holy, you know. <laughs> um, the the part where she eats dog poop, yeah, very uh, Christian. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we love. I'm ready to see for it. it. <laughs> Wait, where did you watch that? Is that on Netflix? That's on Netflix. Yeah, okay. it was um, it was really touching and really interesting to watch because I, you know, we hear about this stuff and it's like. Who is that person? Like, who is the person? Not just who is, you know, we see a, see a, and now I want to see the films because I've never seen them and um, I don't know where to find them. So mm. you would think because they have the documentary, which has clips of the movie that they would have the actual movies on Netflix. Yeah. So. Guess yeah. not. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think for me. Um, cause I'm, I'm a lot like Chalora. Like I don't really have a distinction like, oh yeah, these days I've been doing this a lot because I've been isolating. Like, no, it's just more of what I usually do. Um, these days I've been enjoying, um, watching like people react to stuff that I've seen or I heard before. Like, I love watching, like, for example, there's this producer called Blake McLean, and he watches, he reacts to entire albums, for example. And I love kind of like, in the process, you kind of re-listen to the album again, but you get to hear someone like give an opinion to it for the first time. And it almost like gives you this weird thing of like, oh, yay, look at them reacting to it for the first time. Like when he did a reaction to Chromatica, for example, when he did that reaction to the... um, now incredibly incredibly known meme of the um, Chromatica 2 into 911 but uh as you see someone react to that for the first time you're like yes i love that like you all, it's almost like as you're as if you're like re- reliving it in a way um but honestly it's more of the same i just i, I watch a lot of podcasts uh, and i say watch cuz i usually prefer the video version um uh yeah just um just a lot of stuff that ends up leading into what we're living for so uh, we might as well just get into that now. Uh, what we're living for is where we highlight uh, things that we've been, you know, living for <laughs> these days. Um, and um, my first pick is Fantasy Star Online 2. It uh, It's a video game. Uh, it's the sequel to the very popular Fantasy Star Online franchise. The first one came out for like the Dreamcast and possibly other consoles way back in the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And they've had like a bunch of spin-off situations uh, throughout the years. Um, But the second installment of it only came out in Japan. It came out for like PC and all that stuff and people would play that online. Uh, And for all of these years, I think the game has probably been out in Japan for, I feel like at least five years, probably longer than that. Um, and fans have been basically playing that game with like mods and like weird like translation sort of things uh, like fan made stuff all that stuff so in order for them to even experience the game to begin with and then earlier this year they released it on uh, Xbox 
and Windows computers, Windows 10, uh, specifically for win for the Windows Store. And it was only in the U.S. So, again, people still had to use, like, fan-made patches and mods and, like, a lot of workarounds to officially play the game in English. And so this past week of the time we're recording this show, um, they officially released it on Steam. And I think it's supposed to be a global release, so it should be out everywhere or at least wherever Steam is available. Um, it's fun. It's free to play. So, like, it's one of those things, like, why not? It runs pretty well. Um, it's 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 kind of fun. It's um, I've, I've, I've been kind of playing it a little bit here and there as I listen to a podcast or I watch a stream or friend or anything like that. Uh, but it's it's been really fun. Um, it's definitely not. I, I don't think it's up to, like, the standards of, like, I feel like some games these days um, because I it's essentially just you know, the game, a game that came out years ago in Japan, but it's now in English kind of thing. But I find it really enjoyable. And I think if you're fans of like MMOs and stuff like that, I think you will enjoy it, especially because it's free. So like, why not? There's no fees that you have to pay to try it out or anything like that. Uh, my other pick for the week is a podcast, of course. It's called Get Real. And the hosts of the podcast are two current k-pop idols and one former k-pop idol their names are ashley Choi. she was from ladies code uh they have bm from card and they have peniel from b2b and they basically just talk about like random topics they talk about friendship they talk about dating they talk about all these things and it's an interesting perspective because they're also korean americans so they weren't born and raised necessarily in korea or if they were born there they moved eventually to the u.s and then they came back to korea for like k-pop training and all that stuff um so they definitely have some like interesting tea on like a couple of behind the scenes stuff with k-pop idols and stuff like that uh, their own perspectives as being like a Korean American in South Korea and like sometimes there's a little bit of like cultural differences or just in in, a, in different ways that um, the countries are different in, in the way that they operate but it's just mostly a lighthearted conversation three friends really just like talking about stuff kind of like what we do here but we're not k-pop idols whatsoever <laughs> uh, no but it's a very lovely conversation and it's um and it's like pg uh so like they don't cuss at all or anything like that so if um if you if you're around your family and stuff it's it's safe for work okay and the episodes are not even like an hour long so it should be fairly fairly easy to get through them. Um, they have video versions and they have uh, audio versions as well. Uh, but yeah, what are y'all living for? W what about, what, what you living for, Chalora? Um, sorry, someone just called me on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> wow, trying to sabotage the live stream. I can't believe it. Do you want me to pass it, the question over to Kiso? Oh, I just, I just canceled it, sorry. Mm. Um, it's just like it. I can't answer this with like the bum 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 bum. Right. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> um sorry, I was gonna say um I found this um sort of hobbyist entomologist. I think that's the right word, entomologist. The, like a, a bug um, one? Yeah. There you um go. <laughs> named Bart Copens from Nor Norway, I think. I don't know. Netherlands, I think. Uh, either way, um, same thing. Just kidding. Just kidding. Everyone. Oh my god, I'm so kidding. <laughs> I originally found this post on Tumblr, um, 
So what he does is he um, he basically like imports uh, chrysalis or, or or like the the cocoons of the moths and butterflies. Um, he inspects them, he takes care of them, and then he distributes them. So um, he's basically like doing this to support um, the environment and better uh, economics in like places like the Philippines or Vietnam because they'll like level like forests to create farms instead to make money. But this butterfly business, moth business is actually better for the environment and for the ecosystem and, and its protected species and things like that. Um, so I found it really interesting how the business works and he sends these um, cocoons and chrysalis to museums and researchers and other hobbyists as well all over the world. Um, but um, because of COVID, he lost a lot of these sales and a lot of these um, sort of things. So he had like hundreds of these um, atlas moth chrysalis. I don't know if you know what an atlas, atlas moth is, but they're about this big. Oh. <laughs> when, when they come out. Not so those. he just had hundred, hundreds of these atlas moths in his house that he didn't really um, know what to do oh, with. Oh no! So um, he does know how to like help them breed and stuff, but he obviously can't force them to. So he was still trying to like recover from these things, and he made videos and he oh, started God. to create um, sort of these videos of his hobby, mm. and it's just been really interesting to listen to what he has to say and like you know it's kind of more of a familiar feel rather than a scientific feel mm -hmm. um for me um so that's what i've been living for lately nice. is that sort of stuff because i really like um insects and arachnids and things like that um so yeah we love to see it what about you kisos what are you living for Hi. Um, I have been living for, I mean, I, I, I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression. Um, I always am at home too, everyone. I just happened to uh, re rediscover them all. Right. I'm cool. I'm just like you guys. Don't worry. Yeah. I don't go we're... out either. I want to be included in this. We're great. Um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> There's been some good stuff on like coming out on Netflix lately. I think some of it actually has been out for a while, but for some reason they're just like promoting it more now. But two Netflix shows that I've been obsessed with before one final show and tell is um, is um, one of them is called The Speed Cubers, and it basically follows like the world champion speed cuber and then like the person who kind of becomes the world champion speed cuber, but they're also friends. It's like a 40 minute oh. Netflix documentary, but it's very like human level. And one of the people, I think his name was Max Park. He's on the autism spectrum. So it's also just showing like a neurotypical person and neurodivergent person and you know how they have like this beautiful, strong friendship around Rubik's cubing and how even though like the, like one kid is younger and like coming up and surpassing the other guy, how they have like, yeah, whatever. Honestly, it's just really, really, really cute. So if you want to cry, that's your show. And if you want to still want to cry after that, there's a show called Love on the Spectrum, which also actually has uh, it's about people on the spec on the autism spectrum, um, which I didn't you know plan for it to have like my two fave 
shows do that, but I love that there's more um, representation and diversity and stuff. But it's a show about um, like people with autism learning how to date and just have stronger interpersonal relationships and, you know, start learning how to have romantic relationships. And it shows some people that are like going on their first dates um, and some people on the spectrum who are like having, you know, uh, who are like one couples, I think they're I don't want to spoil anything like there's like one couple who's already married i believe when they start on the show i'm pretty sure they start out married if not i'm sorry for spoiling that part i just ruined it um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and it's just really interesting to just get a window into you know a community that i'm not a part of and you know get some more understanding and um also just it's really wholesome and sweet to just see dating from a different perspective as well where they're really like going into it with open hearts and like looking for love instead of i feel like you know most neurotypical people um our ages are kind of like i mean yeah they're looking for relationships but they're also just kind of like i don't know maybe they're like playing the field doing whatever so it's just really interesting to see i feel like a more like pure version of dating now yes watch both of those but one last thing i want to do is this is what I was teasing. I think, I don't think we were recording yet when I mentioned it. So I'll start from the beginning. But one last thing I wanted to share that I just got yesterday, my, um, of back in February in the, in the before times when everything was <laughs> still not times. right in the world, but you know, different, it was different. Um, yeah, I saw someone else call it that and I thought it was so funny. Um, the before times in February, <laughs> um, my boyfriend took me to, this like little classical concert. And for anyone who doesn't know, I'm part Armenian, but I don't really know that much about like my heritage there, even though like my full Armenian grandpa, like I know him, but I don't know. We lost like a lot of the culture after my family immigrated from um, Armenia and Turkey area over to the US because they wanted to just like, what's the word? They wanted to just become American. I can't Assimilate, think I think. Assimilate, yes, Ruby. Yes, look at Muita me. Bom. Muita bom. Um, <laughs> The one and, word um, I know. <laughs> no, you killed it. Assimilation. I don't know. I'm just making it up. Um, probably, yeah. Let me look it up, girl. I, probably. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this is, I, I went to a concert and I always get really excited when there's anything Armenian happening. And um, there was, happened to be a special guest performer that day that was performing on a duduk, which is an ancient Armenian instrument. Um, and then I just like got kind of obsessed with it and I was looking them up and I was like, oh my God, they're not like that expensive. Like you can get a decent one for like a little over a hundred dollars. And I was telling my mom about it and she was like, oh my God, I'll get it for you for your birthday. And I was like, oh my God, really? Are you sure? Yes. So anyway, I have one right here. This is my doo-doo. Yes. It's a reeded instrument. Yes. So, um, it's kind of sounds like a clarinetti saxophone thing. Um, let me Ooh. just get it moist real quick and I'll turn down moist. my mic so it doesn't blow us away. And then... <laughs> get it wet. Yes. You have to get it wet. I've never played, I grew up playing flute and then I played French horn for a little bit. So I never played a um, reed instrument till now. Yes. Also, it's like not in tune and I don't really know what I'm doing because I literally just got it yesterday, but. <laughs> Do you have um... to tune a wind instrument? Um, well, you can tune it with like the way that like the, um, the reed fits in and like, with the amount of air you blow, I don't know. You got to be a pro. You got to be a pro. I know with flutes, you can kind of tune it based on um, the head. Pe I'm look really weird on camera because I'm just like talking about the head the while head I suck piece. on this reed. Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> um, anyone else? Is important. A third. A third. Um, and um, 
yeah you can like depending on how far you push it i know on this one for anyone watching the video like this little string you kind of undo and then i guess how deep it goes in affects the tuning as well um but okay let Very me suggestive. let me just let me just blast some note out real quick i'm gonna yes. turn down my mic so it's not too loud let us um, hear it i'm excited but um yeah it, we'll see how it sounds it's just probably gonna kind of fart right now but we'll do <laughs> my i'll do my best to play a little scale absolutely that's so okay. exciting oh I'll and i know buns. i'm a little quiet you're supposed to like like puff out your cheeks apparently mm -hmm. which is interesting mm. okay here we go the more you know let's hear it <laughs> yes. yes that's me just making it up but so i'm really excited to learn how to play it because it's like if you if any of you play instruments um like most times when you're learning an instrument like the fingerings are really hard to like play like it's random like where you put your keys there's no like rhyme or reason but on the duduk you really just like each time you put a finger down it changes the note so it's easy to just kind of like improvise so i'm excited to have this and i'm gonna be playing it for a while so that's gonna keep me busy until the next breakfast at ruby's yes we'd love to see it oh yeah that's probably the one thing i haven't done during this entire quarantine is like learn how to play an instrument like i've cut my own hair i've dyed my own hair i've done a deep cleaning of my room but like what about I I learn an instrument? What about I learn something? What about you know I get a new skill set? You've been busy, Ruby. Don't 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 Maybe do it. So. Don't do it. Don't let the voices in, Ruby. Maybe you're so. Busy. You're running a whole show. <laughs> you're dyeing your hair. You just started a Patreon so that True. you can have more money and funds for freedom. Did everyone True. subscribe to Ruby's Patreon? Oh my god! All my Patreon. I'm glad you referred to it because if you go to to patreon.com i almost said twitch.tv again yikes uh to patreon.com slash project ruby i have recently launched a patreon that basically is a way for me to give back to the people who want to support me uh for people who don't know i'm already a twitch streamer and there's already a subscription kind of service in there um, like a feature in there and people can donate and, and do all of that fun stuff but uh i figured launching a specific Patreon would make it so that one, I could keep track of what people are sending in and I could give them something in return. So there's perks like uh, early access to YouTube content that's coming up. Um, there's access to, um, you know, original music that after I release it, it will go first on Patreon. Um, just a lot of different things that I'm working on. You can check out all the different tiers, all the different details at patreon.com slash project Ruby. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. So thank you for bringing that up, Keith. So I was I was probably not going to remember it because it's it, hey, we literally just up, launched baby. it today. Um, so uh, yeah, but speaking of uh, self promo and stuff like that, Chalora, go ahead, girl. You got the floor is yours. Promote yourself. What you're your, what you're all about. Where people can find you. Where people can follow you what content you're gonna do and you yes <laughs> stressful it's a lot you remember it all chalora chalora's like oh no not this um hi the floor is mine you can I do hope, it i hope it's not a shag it's not i promise i don't know what that is but it's not you don't know what a shag is a, a sh like a shag carpet oh well at least Kisos didn't know it either, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, 
anyway, no, it's comfy. <laughs> it's comfy. It's clean. Don't worry about it. We have, some cushions. we have some cushions. We have some cushions. What do I want to plug? Um, Everything. I, um, do it all. Okay. You can follow me on <laughs> uh, Twitter at Laura with a zero instead of an O. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Laura. You can find me on Instagram at Chalora Flora. You can find me on YouTube at Chalora Flora. You can find me at Patreon at Chalora, yes. where I do ASMR, um, auditory, everything. I'll read a book for you for 50 bucks if you can provide the book. Yeah. I um, also do guided meditation, um, where I make one a month. Um, that's awesome. That is so cool. I'm, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Is yeah. this recent? Yeah. Um, I have one subscriber. <laughs> oh, do not worry. After this episode, I'm sure you're going to have more because I'm very intrigued. I, um, I just ordered some more audio equipment, so it'll only get better, th yes. thankfully. But I, I wrote some... Um, right now, I'm working on a body series, so we're going to go head to toe. Um, so the, the first episode was about the um, the head, <laughs> and um, we kind of well. explore <laughs> um, each part of the face, and uh, it's supposed to be like relaxation and, and just kind of like a positive vibes uh, experience. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love that when I was like, you know, what have you been like? What have you been up to these past couple of weeks? And you're like, oh, you know, not much. And like, meanwhile, you Nothing. launched, the, you launched like a whole thing. Like, <laughs> like okay, girl. <laughs> we love a humble queen. Uh, but yeah, seriously, check out all of that. Um, I'll I'll put it in the description for like the YouTube and all that stuff. Just make sure to send it all to me, y'all. Uh, anything you're gonna promote right now, just send it all to me. I'll put it on the YouTube and the podcast descriptions and all that stuff, so everybody can check y'all out. Um, last but not least, of course, Kisos, where uh, you, the floor is also yours. The comfy floor is also yours for you to promote anything and everything. Yeah, let's get this shag on. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> so my name's Kisos. You can find me. I make original music. So you can find my original music um, if you just search K-I-S-O-S. -S, um, and you can find me on all the social media, including Twitch. at It's Kisos, I-T-S-K-I-S-O-S. -S. Um, my Queer and Teen Show is restarting this Sunday. So if you want to support more indie LGBTQIA plus talent from across the whole spectrum, um, we're about to start our 10 episode run during this season two, along with our very first after show. So I'm looking forward to that starting this weekend. And um, I think that's it. I don't know. I guess look out for me to start making some more music with my dookie dookie yes <laughs> always the new music all of it we we approve definitely it's tomorrow yeah. of the time we're recording this so who knows when it's gonna be when you listen to it but it's on sundays correct true true sundays at 3 p.m eastern time on my twitch channel yeah. twitch.tv slash it's kisos but quarantine does have its own twitter and instagram and that is quarantine show Period. yes you did it all i'm so proud of you both <laughs> like I, I that probably sounded sarcastic, but I really am. 
<laughs> no, I believed it. I'm proud of you too, Ruby. That's why I wasn't letting you even yeah. pretend to get down on yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, these two have been, like, they've believed in this show, like, Breakfast at Ruby's from, like, the early episodes. And they, like, when I was like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this show. Do you want to be on? They were like, yes. So uh, that really means a lot to me, especially as the show kind of evolves. And now it's like, it, it's it's wild that now like I, I look at my schedule and it's like, wow, it's literally I have the an entire month's worth of episodes scheduled out because like people these days are way more into the show and they're like, yes, I want to be on. Sure, I want to be on. It's like mutuals of yours like that you introduced me to. And it's like just like a, a community that's like building on and on and on. So like I, I said to you privately, but like, thank you for believing in this show from the beginning. Because I it wouldn't be on episode twenty eight I think right now um, without you being there for the for like the early episodes so thank you so much and thank you everybody you, who's baby. listening oh thank you love you too <laughs> uh, you can find me and all my shows and all the shenanigans that I'm up to at Project Ruby on Twitter on Twitch on Patreon and uh, feel free to look up Breakfast at Ruby's on your favorite podcast services because we're also in there. So um, specifically with the Apple podcasts, feel free to leave us a review and five stars. I heard that's good for the algorithms over there. So uh, if you want to support us all, please uh, make sure to check out all the links in the description, all of that fun stuff. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. I'm very excited for all of it that's coming up in August for all of us. So, yeah. Bye, everyone. Stay safe. Love you. <laughs>